0: Welcome to the first Fractal Labs podcast. I'm Isabel, and today we're going to talk about open banking. Open banking has revolutionized the way we deal with our data and has given the power back to the consumer. Today, we're joined by three very important personalities who have been actively shaping the open banking industry. Our first guest is Felicia Meavitz-Singh, CEO and co-founder of Aconi, And we're also joined today by Samantha Seaton, CEO at MoneyHub and Amy Kroviak, CEO and founder of Comms Alchemist and former head of stakeholder engagement at the Open Banking Implementation Entity. Maybe we could talk a little bit more about what you do exactly and who you serve with your role. Amy could you maybe start us off?
1: Sure, Um, I'm CEO of Comms Alchemist which is an integrated communications uh, agency. We focus on reputation management largely and for the last 25 years I've been advising several leading companies mostly in the FS space over the last several years and part of that, I was, um, as you've already mentioned, head of stakeholder engagement at OBIE. I help clients really navigate the and take advantage of the opportunities that are arising from new open data technologies. And as we all know, and we'll talk about today, those technologies are really transforming financial services and are set to transform even sectors beyond that as we head towards the burgeoning open data economy. And my goal ultimately is to help companies in that space um, transform the sector and beyond to make it inclusive, sustainable, and as robust as possible. I
0: think that sounds great. Thank you very much. Sam, maybe you could tell us a bit more about you?
2: Uh, Yes, so Sam Seaton, CEO of Money Hub, which is all about getting everyone we can into the fields of financial wellness. But basically, we do that by bringing everyone's data together, which open banking is obviously a, a key enabler of that, and then providing insight so that you can make informed decisions and um, we license our platform to enterprises to help them do that.
0: Very interesting. Thank you. And um, last
3: but not least, Felicia, could you maybe tell us a little bit more? Thanks for having me. And a pleasure to be with such a wonderful woman, may I just say. And I just want to shout out on the podcast for Sam, my inspiration and congratulations for your award. So um, at Ocone, we provide a cash platform uh, and a cash marketplace. So we increase returns on cash provide a safe haven in these times of uncertainty where people don't want to be in the markets. We serve businesses and consumers, and we work a lot with um, IFA partners, wealth platforms, where we provide a, a, a portal, a branded portal, everything's white label. We're an API first company, so we also provide an API solution. We work with a range of partners and um, actually, as Sam mentioned about what MoneyHub do, we use MoneyHub's data. They are one of our partners and we personalize the solution to prompt our clients around where to place cash. And we increase returns on on an automated basis so that you don't have to think about your cash the same way most people don't really think much about their investments once they have a mandate with a risk profile we make it that easy to increase returns for your cash.
0: Thank you. And you're all also on the steering committee of the open 51, a very impressive organization that has launched recently and brings together the women transforming the financial services sector. Could you maybe tell me a little bit more about that?
2: I guess, well, I think Amy is the star of the show on this one. So a big shout out to Amy on this one, because um, it's her energy and enthusiasm for uh, 51 of the, of the population being represented well with data. Because as we know, uh, to date, um, we've probably had an imbalance in terms of gender in in, in all manner of um, areas of business. But really the the main worry is that as we march forward with technology underpinning pretty much everything we do, that uh, we must be be conscious of not having the bias in the data. So it's all about making the data fair. So it's all about, it's great to have it open. Open data is brilliant but it's also got to be fair to everyone. Um, so yeah, so I don't know if I should hand over to Amy just to to, uh, to, to allow her to be a bit more um, energetic about exactly what, what
1: spurred her into into action. Thanks, Sam. The only thing I would add to that is uh, two things. I was spurred into action after having a couple of glasses of wine with Felicia at a very stuffy House of Commons event, oh gosh, uh, summer, I think 2019. And we looked around the room and it was predominantly white male. And we thought, why is that? You know, where are the women because we know they exist and they are leading the transformation. And Open 51 is really focusing on raising those voices of the women who have been working very hard to not just deliver open banking and open finance that started, but equally to sort of share their expertise and knowledge as well. So that's what it's all about. And we had our hard launch uh, in August and uh, everything's going really well. We've got a, a group of over 60 women that grows every day. So fantastic.
3: Well, echoing obviously what both Sam and Amy have said, and I think we're seeing more and more of gender imbalances, not only obviously gender, even race, in algorithms, in financial services, obviously across all of technology where data goes into a black box, And if the designers of that black box are, again, you know, a typical genre of person, a white male, then it will come out with that kind of bias. So being able to work out how that is corrected within society, so we are not all faced with this on an ongoing basis, you know, so our children aren't sitting there, any sort of product with credit in it, whether there's an element of insurance, or it's a mortgage, and there should be equality in that. And really, we think it's critical, both from a policy perspective, as well as from a technology perspective that this is represented. And uh, in our steering group and our members, we see women with a lot of experience at very senior levels, who can adequately represent that. And and I don't. It's, this is not a UK issue. It's is a global issue. And even as a Open Fifty One, we're always interested in new members that can add value to that who are dealing with open data, open finance in many different formats.
1: Yeah, I should add that it's uh, www.open51.io. So you know, anyone watching the podcast, um, they can have a look, and you can also get more information from the website. And I do think that you know if we go back on and look at sort of open banking and you know, open data full stop. It's the quality of the data that's going to allow us to realize the full potential of open banking for consumers and SMEs. And if the data has bias in it, or there's bits that are missing, you know, we need to constantly interrogate that data to make sure it's as fantastic as it should be, because inversely, your end product is wholly dependent on that. So again, that's what a lot of our members are focused in working on those areas, not just with gender bias, but data quality, full stop.
0: It's amazing to hear that women are coming together to tackle the gender data gap in that way. Well, I guess my next question then would be, you have all been on so many open banking panels, already been saying so much about it, but what is one thing that you have never said about open banking that you always wanted to, or that
3: you never had the chance to say? I know it's not an easy
0: one. Billy, say so this time we could start with you.
3: So from my perspective, I've probably said it, but I think it needs repeating, is that open banking for me is just really one component. And we speak a lot about open finance in terms of the next steps. And Sam can talk a lot about, you know, retirement and pensions and that whole world of investments and opening up that data. But really it's moving far beyond that using multiple other sources of data, some of which are already open. You know, we've had a lot of discussions, you know, relating to agricultural data, healthcare data, bus time, you know, all of this that ultimately comes into our financial well-being and how that helps us personalize solutions for clients. So, and there's two parts to this really is one is the data. The second is we work in a highly regulated sector. So distributing a product is the next step in that. You know, people want some insights about their life, but they don't, it's not like, oh, here's the insight. It's then, well, what must I do? And let me go and do it in one seamless transaction. So it's not, oh, here's the insight, then I have to go find information about what I have to do. Then I have to go somewhere else and log it in and provide my data in 15 different formats. It's really being able to look within that entire system, which is why FinTech is fairly unique, uh, providing those regulated products in a sound way, which supports consumers and businesses and enables their growth.
0: Important uh, repeating as often as uh, someone can. Sam, what is one thing that you feel you haven't had a chance to say before?
2: Probably to These point, we've probably touched on it. There's probably nothing that I haven't spoken about on, on, on Open Banking because, you know, we, we have actually um, brilliantly had lots of opportunities to talk about it over the last, well, it's nearly three years now. I mean, in, in January 2021, it's, um, it'll be three years since uh, Open Banking for the CMA9 uh, became, you know, a requirement. So, um, but the thing that still bothers me, I guess, is that we keep wanting it to be talked about as if it's less secure. So we're getting less secure, not more secure. And so that's the thing that I, I guess still bothers me a bit is that I think the media, uh, on a lot of panels I sit with, the banks, the compliance, the regulatory, the lawyers, everyone hones in on how we need to stress about open banking. And I'm a bit like, no, we need to stress about how bad it is already and how good it can be with open banking implemented. So I, I, I guess that is what I would say is that we, we seem to forget how insecure it is at the moment, how lack of clarity people have over all sorts of manner of their data, let alone financial data. Um, so we, we seem to brush over all of that. And, and I'll be honest with you, it really
0: bugs me understand. Amy, is there anything you'd like to
1: say? Um, This was a tricky question because I actually have quite a few things, but I'm just going to build, (laughs) I think I'll build on what Sam is saying because coming at it from a comms perspective, if I could go back in time, I would ban the word open full stop because I think B2C, open doesn't work. And what it makes people feel, and we've seen this in loads of testing we've done of consumers and SMEs while I was at OBIE and in other sort of areas and with other clients, is that it scares consumers and they don't understand it. And I think that where we'll see success, and we've got over 2 million people already who have adopted open banking in the UK, um, probably closer to 3 million would be my personal guess, but um, the value proposition is going to make people adopt it. And they will then see that yes, entirely, it's far more secure than where we are traditionally. And that is you know making their sort of personalized data giving them better products that are more secure and it works well. And I would just steer clear 100% of trying to keep explaining what open banking is to a consumer or an SME. Underneath all of that, once we've had some success and there's loads of propositions on the market, then you can sort of explain it to people who want to know. But in terms of, you know, Google Maps, how many people want to know about the Rails and the API under that? They don't. They want to download Google Maps and find the restaurant or, you know, the meeting place they need to be at. So I think that needs to be really highlighted. And I'm with Sam. Let's get away from sort of trying to say, oh, open banking, prove it's secure. It is secure.
2: I mean, on that, Amy, I mean, you will laugh. It wasn't that long ago that I was on the escalators at Reading Station. And you you have two at the same time that go up. And there was a gentleman on the um, next to me talking to his colleague. And he was saying, oh, look, Google Maps has said that I'm going to be at Reading Station at exactly, you know, 9.21. And it's 9.21. How do, how does... Google Maps to do that so to your point no idea how it does it absolutely delighted and, and 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 can't comprehend how accurate and correct it is but, you know, to your point, you know, it is um, it is the value exchange and and that's what we must focus on, you know, to, to generate the power of open
0: banking. I thought it was really interesting, Amy, what you said about the term open. That's something I heard a lot as well from other people telling me that it's it's misleading because it's not really what it is and we should bring that
1: to anyone who, who wants to hear it. Yeah, exactly, because we can't travel back in time, unfortunately, to fix that one, but... <laughs>
0: I don't think that's possible. Yeah, we already talked a little bit about it, but just maybe to extend a tiny bit more on the topic, why do you think that there's still some concerns around open banking? And why do you think some people just think it's too complex or obviously also not secure enough? Felicia, you could say something about that.
3: So so from my perspective, I think that anything new in financial services makes people nervous. And it takes a long time for things to genuinely change. So there hasn't been any specific marketing around open banking as such. People would naturally be nervous. You know, we talk a lot about selling the features and the benefits and not mentioning um, open banking. But if people are like, oh, there's this new feature and it's using open banking, like, what's that? Is that a new way I log in? Is it what? So there's this natural resistance to change. And I think it's worse now in we're in COVID, mid-COVID, post-COVID, which, you know, the new world. Because people are regressing to whatever they consider to be lower risk on the whole within society. So that challenge is something that we have to overcome. I feel typically that the way to overcome it is through the much larger financial institutions that have got very strong presence and brand name and so on. And, and it's just a matter of time. The main concern would be if there was a crisis, if something happened with someone's data and it appeared on the front page of the newspaper, how that would be dealt with. And those mechanisms we have, we haven't yet experienced.
0: Hopefully never. Does anyone else wants to add something to that?
1: I mean, I think uh, Felicia's covered it really, really well. I think again, we have to just give it some time. I think, you know, as Sam has already mentioned, it's only going to be three years coming up in this January that we just started this journey. And while we have sort of gone full speed ahead at pace, um, and we're now sort of already operating in open finance, which is the next stage, um, it's not about just the standards. It's about the products and services that have been developed from that innovation. And therefore, all of that takes time. And as people get used to using those products, they'll see the value.
0: Then the next question, what do you think is in store for open banking next? How do you think that looks the future like for open banking? What are your thoughts, Sam?
2: So I think the future is very bright. I mean, the future is very exciting, for the, particularly for the consumer, because from my perspective, what I've been really pleasantly surprised with in the past year is how many enterprises want to provide a better service, better value for money, and a more personalized, engaged interaction with their customers. And it really doesn't matter whether you're a mortgage customer, whether you're an insurance customer, a savings customer, or actually even in the retail world, you know, where they want to get your phone to you quicker, faster, you know, cheaper. Um, It doesn't matter. What we've seen is a massive shift towards really wanting to engage with the consumer. And so we should take heart in that because if those companies are starting to really, want to use technology for the the likes of you and me to benefit from that's what we really need because the 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 technology the kit to do it is now around we we need them to leverage it and they have to have appetite in order to to do that but what's amazing is in the last year i've seen a lot of appetite from enterprises wanting to do that so so i think i think the future is definitely very bright
0: definitely think that too he says that your opinion too
3: yeah, absolutely. I think we're only going to grow in terms of the benefits uh, from technology uh, and from open banking, open data, open finance, because we are going to win as consumers. There's a huge amount of innovation that's coming out and it will benefit businesses and consumers. Who then We can maximize this for our own productivity, for increasing returns or decreasing risk on our financial lives, um, but being able to get that on board is what's critical.
0: Amy, is there anything you'd like to add?
1: The only thing I would add is I think we're going to see more adoption more quickly because payments functionality is now being addressed in the final stage of the CMA order. So we'll see reverse payments, variable recurring payments, and that payments functionality has been a a missing link and a big missing link. and from that perspective, I would say by this time next year, the discussion would be very, very different because we would be leaps and bounds ahead. And I know I, people who know me know I'm not an optimist, but I am very optimistic and echo exactly what Sam and uh, Felicia have been saying bright future there's a lot happening around
0: payments and i think that will probably be the new revolution in our uh, financial ecosystem this unfortunately already brings us to the end of our podcast thank you very much uh, sam felicia and amy for joining us today and sharing your wisdom We thank, you. thank you also to everyone who has tuned in and we have provided you with an interesting perspective on open banking and some new insight on open 51